Welcome to The Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. We're dealing with church consciousness, and today will be part nine. We've dealt extensively with discerning the Lord's body, church consciousness. We've explored extensively as well that dimension of, for this reason, some of you are sick and some sleep. We came to beginning to explore that we must discern that the church is one. And that's why I said we should go back and listen to imitate the church of Jesus and the apostles. And I said yesterday that what happens is as we're teaching and fleshing out certain things, you need to go back and listen to other things that have been taught and pull them together. You must understand that the scripture is harmonious. You don't go into the scripture suspecting what was said. Of course, you have an open heart, you believe, but then you know that when something is said and that thing is said, it has to be within a general framework. It can't just exist in a vacuum. Right? So you put them together and then it makes sense. Someone might speak, or I might speak on faith for salvation, and if you take that and run with it and not ask a question or link that to faith as doctrine, faith as lifestyle, or faith as a gift of the Spirit. So there's at least four different ways to look at the, the subject of faith, right? And then layer upon layer. So you need to do diligent study to put it together. So, so please pay attention to that. We started talking about that, and then I went on to um, end somewhere around our consideration of Philippians 2. Be of one mind, uh, one accord, yeah, same heart. And then it says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Right? I explained that. We, look, we looked at that in the, line of, in the light of our primary text in 1 Corinthians 11 about being one body. And if we are of one spirit, how come we are of separate minds? And that was major stuff. We looked at that in the, in the terms of strife and envy. And we saw in James where it says that where self-seeking and envy exist, confusion and all manner of evil are there. We linked that up with 1 Corinthians 10 where we saw that you cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. And then I made a very provocative statement, emphatic, yes. that you, I give you an equation, you yes. plus your Holy Spirit, yes. minus same mind with the, the body, equals the table of demons. Because it was believers that Paul was saying, you cannot eat of this table and that table. Yes, believers. Yes, believers in chapter 10, that by chapter 3, he said, you are God's building. Yes. You are God's house. Yes, sir. You must consider scripture holistically. Yes, yeah, isn't it 1 Corinthians 3, 9? Chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. Seven chapters earlier. <laughs> we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. So there's the possibility that God's building, God's house, can sit down at the table of demons. Yes, sir. 
Does that make sense now? So you must look at the whole picture holistically, completely. And that's why I said it's dangerous for you to sit down and, and enjoy or rejoice in the fact that you are saved and you are righteous and not open up yourself to getting the full counsel of the gospel. Yes, the full counsel of the gospel. That your sins are forgiven is the beginning. Yes, sir. It's not the end. It's not even the thick yes, of the sir. journey. Yes, sir. It's not. Your sins forgiven just gives you access to the beginning of this journey. Yes, you can't get fixated on forgiveness of sin. You can't be running around and become uncontrollable <laughs> because God is no longer mad at you. No, that's the beginning. If you check the lottery statistics in the UK, for instance, it's about 106 million pounds rolling over. That's a lot of money. People have won 147 million pounds such that 10 of those million is 7.5 billion naira so 100 million is about 70 billion 140 million is about 100 billion that people win by playing a two pound lottery ticket or scratch card in the history of the euro millions lottery or the lotto in the UK, the percentage of people that have made anything good out of their earnings is less than 5%. Mm-hmm. True, sir. True, sir. Less than 5%. True, sir. In fact, a lady, a young lady who was about 23 or 24, got broke in less than 8 months. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Less than 8 months. Less than 8 months. She's traveling from some show Scottish Traveling from Scotland to Dubai to UAE, Qatar, weekends in Paris, New York, bought Chanel bags, bought Ferrari cars, and this, and people just blow through, and in in less than no time, you're broke like you never were rich. Half of that statistics ended in the couples that won the lottery divorcing. Mm-hmm. It's public yes, knowledge. More than half. Money tears them apart. They go crazy. Just waste away. Because making money, especially that you didn't work for, takes a lot more financial planning and prudent discipline to make something worthwhile out of. Yes, sir. Mm. That you made money. There's some of you that have been believing God, for instance, for one million. It has passed your life and you did not know. I've said this to you guys over and over. You think, oh, you're young, you're 24, you're 23. Check, do a statistics on yourself. Do an audit report of your life. You see that that one million went past you last year. In tranches of 10 grand here, and 5 grand here, and 25 grand here, and 50 grand here, and 18 grand here. And if you do an audit report, that 1 million came and went. Because you're waiting for one whole million. It's the soma of 1 million. 
So that you have something doesn't automatically translate to the fact that you'll be faithful with it. And this is serious stuff. Doesn't mean you'll be faithful with it. So receiving it calls you first into responsibility of handling before it calls you into relentless rejoicing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Responsibility of handling what you have been gifted with. That's why musicians spend anyhow. Money is hitting you left, right, and center, so you have impulsive spenders. Only a few of them are prudent enough. The church doesn't care. The church is the only set of people that don't want to be told what to do except by mugus. You know, you judge power by the person that can tell you to bring the eyeball of a lizard. So yeah, he's powerful. He's discerning. He's he's seeing. Bring 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 the facial hair of of a tilapia. Those guys always tell you to bring what you can't bring so they can cash out. We're not going to downplay truth just because it offends somebody. It will offend somebody. It will. I try my best for it not to, but I know and I can promise you to offend somebody before some of those people who are offended come to light. Because they will. There's no rational explanation for some of the nonsense that we do. Why have I said all that? It is important for us as the body of Christ to understand the full counsel of our salvation so that you know exactly what you are running with before you run into something. Imagine starting to drive a car and you never mastered how to reverse. Never mastered how. So when you see the apostles talking about that, you will get to know every good thing, every good thing that is yours in Christ is for your benefit and is for your safety. Does that make sense? You cannot not know every good thing that is yours in Christ, you will cause trouble upon yourself and people around you. That's why we teach. Paul will also say that we might present every man perfect in Christ. So you cannot trivialize teaching. Can't. That's why we're teaching. It doesn't end at salvation. It doesn't end at forgiveness of sins. It doesn't end at being righteous. That's introduction. That's 101. So now we're trying to gradually, gradually, gradually stir the waters a little bit and go deeper. So open up your heart. So it was that people in 1 Corinthians 3 that Paul was saying, you are God's house, you are God's building. Three chapters later in chapter 10, he's telling them, 
cannot eat the Lord's table and eat the table of demons. Because you can. If you don't know some things. If in you does not exist certain knowledge. And that's why this phrase is very important. And so we saw how strife endangers the body. Because it introduces the possibility that every evil thing can happen in church. Every evil thing. It's not something we handle lightly at any level of church. Because it compromises the entire unity of the body. And every time Paul is writing, he's hammering on this thing. He's hammering on these things. You know, it's First Corinthians chapter 1. I had it open here. You will see from verse 10, just as he starts the letter. I also saw this when we're praying in, in relation to the series we are dealing with, where I, I mentioned to you guys over the last two parts that, and again, that was also very provocative, that every local church has all the grace gifts that it requires to function. And then as, as we're praying, I just, I just looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I saw something there that was beautiful. In verse 4, as he's opening the letter and greeting them, he says, I thank my God always. 1 Corinthians 1 and 4. Do you have your Bibles open? I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Then see verse 5. That you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. The grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus has, has enriched you with everything in him, by him, in all utterance. So whatever the Corinthian church was dealing with, it was not for lack of grace gifts. Uh-uh. It was not for lack of grace. Every gift, every utterance, every knowledge was present in the church, in that local church. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Then he goes down a few verses, verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 10, that you all, 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 somebody say all. You all speak the same thing. Right there in the first chapter. Right there just after confirming that they have everything by him. In all utterance and in all knowledge. So with all your utterance, all your the one that has prophecy, the one that has word of knowledge, the one that has gift of tongues, the one that has healing, the one that has interpretation, the one that feels like you have been in the Lord for 20 years before the Corinthian church was planted. The ones that feel like you heard them because they were there. The ones that were there when Paul was a baby and cannot be telling you anything about the Lord. The ones that walked with Jesus and heard him teach the gospel of the kingdom. The ones that probably sat under Priscilla and Aquila who were believers that Paul did not lead to Christ or who sat under Timothy's grandmother, Lois or Rhoda. There were a lot of streams of the gospel at the time Paul's ministry was active. There is a huge possibility that any of these guys could have been saved by those streams. For instance, we do not know who saved Apollos. We don't know who preached the gospel to him. We don't even know who, who preached the gospel to the guys who said they have not heard the Holy Spirit. It was a function of who told them whatever they told them. So there were many branches, many streams of the propagation 
of the gospel at the time. And at one point or the other, Corinth being a commercial city would have become a melting pot for people of different backgrounds, different pedigrees, different societal persuasions, different opinions, and different levels in their walk with God. And Paul says, I don't care. All of you speak the same thing. Such that if you enter the typical Corinthian church, you enter the typical New Testament church, there should be no difference or diversity. In There should be no difference in quality between one member of the same body and another. Yes, sir. That's what it means to speak the same thing. Such that if we said to anybody in the local church, come and pray in the understanding. You will not come and pray in mixture. You will not come and share a mixture. You will come and read a scripture from the Old Testament and stop there. By the time you pull a text from the Old Testament, everybody knows that you will resolve the text. You understand the equation of resolving? When you pick a text from the Old Testament, resolve it in the New. You will just come and read stuff randomly without linking them together. You won't come and sing a song that the rest of us are not singing. Does that make sense? You won't. And by song, I don't mean a song that the rest of us don't know. I'm talking about a song that captures doctrine that is alien to what the church believes. There are many songs that I love. I love them. I can't sing them. I can't. So you come in church and you just sing sad songs. Song that you are looking for, Jesus. Can't find him. You are, you are coming back to him. He should not forget you. And watch them crying passionately, making an appeal to Jesus to not forget them when it comes to collect his people. So it, it infers, first of all, that. I have applied to be your people. I don't know if you have seen my application or if you have considered it. But just in case you don't get around to my application before you come back to collect the people you have approved as yours, please just make room in your short list for me. It's not something you can laugh to. It's very sad. And across the world, millions of black folks are trapped in, trapped in. But you have come to Mount Zion. It is in a strange land that you sing the Lord's song. That's not when you keep quiet. It's when you are in a strange land. Because you are an ambassador. An ambassador is not an ambassador in his own land. Where have you seen a Nigerian ambassador to Nigeria? So it's in a strange land that you should sing the Lord's song. It's nonsense. You remember Zion? You have come to Mount Zion. You have come to the city of the living God. You have come to the innumerable company of angels. You've come to Jesus Christ the righteous, the firstborn. The general assembly of those whose names are registered in heaven. You have come. So a bunch of people will get offended. By what criteria might he call on others and not... And then you hear lame arguments like, but this song is 300 years old. Do you know better than the person that, yes. 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 Yes.
Yes, I, I know better than the person yes, that wrote it. Yes. Because most of these songs are driven by emotional, yes, sentimental, esoterics. Yes, how, how can I interpret how I'm feeling yeah. to be unique to me yeah. and have an expression that nobody else has yeah. in this matter? That's esotericism. And most of what we sing in church today is driven from emotion. People are convinced at their level of knowledge. They heard the Lord singing it. And the Lord will smile at you. And he knows it's not him you heard singing. <laughs> he knows. But he also knows that he doesn't love you because of what you are singing. So he keeps loving you. Why looking at you like this? Until. So we must be together in the same mind. We must speak the same thing. First Corinthians chapter 1. That's where we are, right? That you all, verse 10, speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you. But that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. In the same, you see that here. First Corinthians chapter one. Speak the same thing. You have the same mind. Have the same judgment. Same perception. Oh me, the way I look at it is that uh, you know ah, they should not have called that thing the way they said it. But I'm not the pastor. I'm just I want to just be praying, praying for him. If it was me, oh, you know, I, I'm not forming like I know Bible like, like uh, the rest of you. You know, most times the most dangerous people are the ones that pretend to be subtle. I've said over and over over the years, the worst form of pride is the kind that disguises itself as humility. That's the worst form of pride. It's the worst form of pride that feels like he's humble. I'm not, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not called, you know. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. But if I if I were in a position to say, you, you are not. <laughs> if you if you if you ask my opinion, no, but nobody is asking. I'm not in a position. You are not. If something is gold, and we say in church that you know these things is white, it becomes white. That's the creative power of God that the church has. That's why that church is the ground and pillar of truth. We all gang together and say, you know what, this is it. And that's what it is. And then we're all in the same local church and everybody's this one is facing that way, this one is facing this way, this one is facing the other way, this one is facing that way. Speak the same thing. You have the same mind. And crucially, see things the same way. That's what it means to have the same judgment. See things the same way. So that we have a position from the standpoint of the word, and that's our position. If you are the, you know how people, one of the most stupid things in life is when somebody says, I'm the voice of reason. Hello, who ordained you the voice of reason? And essentially, the voice of reason, generally speaking, is somebody who everybody's saying something like this. You're the only one that feels like it's your duty to oppose so we can get perspective. And that's a secular 
mindset that again has infiltrated the church. But what is unity? What is one accord homomathon in the, in the scriptures? It's unanimousness that does not begin from division. So we don't need, sorry, sir, we don't need your voice of reason. If this is what the word of God says, and we all believe it is handed down to us, we all believe it. We don't need good cop, bad cop. Again, these are things that we're bringing into church. Maybe sweet to them. You rattle them. Let's see from here or there. You might as well bring polygraph tests into church. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm always, I always feel compelled to be the voice of reason. You are the voice of rebels. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. of rebels. There are many ways to look at it. Teaches who? No, really. Teaches who? Who teaches that in the church of Jesus, there are many ways to look at the same thing? Again, if I ask you, like I said to you yesterday, to investigate where you learned that nonsense from, you realize it's from the world. There are no multiple ways to look at anything in the church. It's because we think that way that we look at things, and that's why there's doctrinal divergence. Because, for instance, we took a deep journey through baptism. If you are objective, if you are objective, you can't argue with the exegesis of scripture. If you're objective, if you're open. We took a journey through leaven, unleavened, Passover, unleavened bread. Feast of weeks, feast of harvest. Took through the entire narrative in the Old Testament. Brought it into the sitting of Jesus in Luke 22. Looked at that in the light of John's gospel, Matthew's gospel. Brought it down to what Paul considered. And then we give you a submission based on the scriptures rightly divided. If you're objective, that's the end of argument. And it is not Pav's formula. It is scripture we have considered. So it's not even something I can take credit for. I just searched the scriptures. Laid all the scriptures one after the other next to each other and see what the, the word is saying. Speak the same thing. Same mind. Same judgment. Then we talked about cantankerous moments. And then I ended in showing you that most times strife exists where you're listening to more than one person. First Corinthians 3. Let's go from verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able. For where there are envy, it's always top of the food chain. Envy, strife, divisions. Envy, strife, divisions. Envy, strife, divisions. That's why James says that where those things exist, every other evil thing, people will fall into all kinds of temptations because there's envy and strife and self-seeking. Why there's envy, strife, and divisions among you? Are you not carnal and behaving like men, men, men who are not saved? See what causes this envy, division, and strife in the Corinthian church. Four. Four. He's beginning to want to explain the divisions. For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos. This is not in the body of Christ. Listen, let me explain this. The Philippian church, for instance, could not care much for Apollos. He didn't do anything there. 
Are you following me now? This was peculiar to the Corinthian church because at different um, stages in Paul's missionary journey, all of these guys had ministered in Corinth. You understand? Apollos had done work in Corinth, Paul had done work in Corinth, Cephas had done work in Corinth. You know, so that's the, the background. So when, where one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos, are you on canal? Five. Who then is Paul? This is Paul speaking. Who then is Paul? And who's Apollos? But just ministers through whom you believe as the Lord gave to each one. I planted. Apollos watered. It's like I told you, these guys were in Corinth. Apollos did a lot of labor in the Corinthian church. I planted. I started the work. Apollos left, came after me and watered. But God gave the increase. So then, seven, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters. But God who gives the increase. Ultimately, the increase is of God. Just like Paul said later on, the earth is the Lord's. God who gives the increase. Eight, now he, look at this carefully. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. Me, the Apollos, you are trying to pitch me against. And you, we are all God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Does that make sense? So he goes on and starts to deal with the other divisions that exist in the church. We get all the way to chapters. We have dealt with chapter 8, right? Food given to idols. We have dealt with chapter 10, right? We have dealt extensively in our text with chapter 11. We also somehow delved into gifts in the body in chapters 12 right through to 14. So this is like a bit of a taster into lessons from current. And then now we get to chapter 15. I've said to you that strife in the church always happens when you're listening to more than one person. Follow the, follow the story. Paul is writing to the same Corinthian church. This is chapter 15. now. He now says, this is from verse 1, right? This is from verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received and in which you stand, by which you also you are saved, if you hold fast that word, that one, which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present. The present being when he was writing this letter. But some have fallen asleep. This is between 25 to 30 years later. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also. As, and by, by, by seen by me, he's referring to the revelation he received, not that he saw Jesus in person. Does that make sense? So he'll be referring to the, the, the initial um, entrance into his, his revelation would have begun on the road to Damascus. It's important that we understand this. That's the first time that he encounters the Lord and then he says, Who art thou, Lord? 
And Jesus responds and says, I'm the Lord Jesus Christ whom thou persecutest. You cannot kick against the prick. That's the introduction into his seeing of Jesus. Do you understand? Not physically. So again, when you're reading through and English just says he was seen, he was seen, it can become confusing if he was seen by 500. Some of them are, are dead, some are with us to this day. He was also seen by me. You can start to exegete that Jesus physically appeared to Peter before he went into the heavens, which is not plausible, uh, to Paul rather, which is not plausible because shortly after Jesus ascending, this same Paul is persecuting the church and supervising the killing of Stephen. So it's not possible that Jesus would have physically appeared to Paul if he was still an unbeliever post-ascension. Therefore, when you're reading 1 Corinthians 15, instantly C, C becomes contextual. Does that make sense? The same contextual he was seen by me is the same thing that will apply in Hebrews 2 where it says, but now we see Jesus. You don't see him physically. These things are important in scripture. It's important. We see Jesus. Looking onto Jesus in in chapter 12 and verse 2 of Hebrews. Again, looking after our test, not as in physical, optical seeing. All right? That's just to clarify that. So he says, he was also seen by me, which is to to be rendered, translated correctly. I I received a later revelation of him. Seen as I was born after this thing had finished. Out of due time. How does the TPT put verse 8? Last of all, he appeared in front of me. Like one born prematurely ripped from the womb. Okay? Message. And that he finally presented himself alive to me. So he gets a revelation. That's why he will say in chapter 11 of our text, I received directly from the Lord. I received from the Lord that which I also gave to you. Make sense? Okay. And he comes. Okay. Go back to verse 3. Chapter 15 verse 3. I actually missed that, but let's see that again. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Right? Okay. Then it comes to verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. You see that? Well, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet, not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Verse 12, he starts to address the schisms now. Yes. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say? Hold on. Who rush it? How do some where? Who is you? The Corinthian church. Local church. If the previous verse says, therefore, verse 11, whether it was I or they, they referring to the apostles, of whom I'm the least, whether it's them preaching it or whether it's us preaching it or, this is what we are preaching, this gospel. And this is what you believed. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say, TPT, verse 12, So this is what we have all taught you and whether it was through me, verse 11, or someone else, you have now believed the gospel. The message we preach is Christ who has been raised from the dead. So how could any of you 
possibly say. Then we go to the next question, that there's no resurrection of the dead. Or as New King James, say there's no resurrection. How some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? What does that mean? That in the Corinthian church, people got up who felt like they had gotten different revelations. They have, they, have, they have evaluated this thing. Yeah. And they can come and say, you, 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 no brother, you know, you, know what, you know what I found out when I was studying? Yes. Strife only comes when you are listening to multiple people. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's why if you do study groups, find an elder sister or brother in the faith yes, to guide your study. Yes, sir. Otherwise, you study sincerely and miss. Yes, sir. And it'd be so cute. <laughs> you know, young people who love the Lord and fire for Jesus. <laughs> you are not seeing sharp. You are seeing flat. <laughs> so when you come here, you're in a hurry to grow. Find somebody that's senior you in mileage. Yes, yes, sir. It's necessary. Because somebody would have said, see what the Lord showed me. <laughs> and really, it's what you showed the Lord. <laughs> Is he rewriting God's word? In all honesty. In all sincerity of heart. That's why I said it's very cute. Didn't you see the video a few years ago of a little girl? Her father packed his beautiful car. I think it was a Camaro or something on the driveway. And the girl scratched, took a piece of metal and scratched on the car. And she loved, I love my daddy. And she drew it with metal. Reckless love, isn't it? <laughs> what is the biggest canvas I can use? Let me use let me use my father's most prized possession to show him the pricelessness of my love. So the father is raging, he's upset with the kid, and then he sees what the kid writes. It's cute stuff. So it's cute. So you can be sincerely wrong. See, 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 see what the Lord showed me. <laughs> and then sometimes by the time you come and get clarification, you are not quiet, you are sober. <laughs> Just realize it was not the Lord that showed me. It was me trying to show the Lord. So you must be careful. Because this is the same setting. Whereby Corinthian brethren coming to say, we have looked at this thing critically. There's no resurrection. Ha! And that's, that's serious doctrinal trouble. Where did you know, before we ask that, where did the resurrection go? That we can't suddenly find it anymore. And this is not, this is not people outside. This is not people from Galicia or Macedonia. These are people inside the Corinthian church. Questioning the doctrine of the church. Does that make sense? In the church. Inside in the church. That's the report that got to Paul. From Chloe's household. From the factions. Heresies. That were forming in church. How do some of you among you say there's no resurrection of the dead? I mean that's absurd. Then he starts to argue for it in 13. It says if Christ is not risen, our preaching is empty, 
And your faith is also empty. By your faith, all of you, those arguing for and against. And if Christ is not risen, verse 14, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. 15. Yes. And we have found false witnesses of God because, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ. We, we, we. By we, is referring to him and the apostles. We have testified that God raised up Christ when in actual fact what you people are saying is that he did not raise up. If in fact, if it's true that there's no resurrection. Next verse. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, I love the way Paul argues for scripture. Amen. Very systematic. If the dead did not rise, and Christ did not rise, and if Christ did not, did not rise, then your faith is you are still a sinner. How come you are feeling righteousness and then you are a sinner? All of you. I love it. Furthermore, also those who are falling asleep in Christ have perished. Your mother, your father, all the people that you love that are dead. That's the end. If in this life only we have hope in Christ. Of all men, the most pitiable. But you see, now, <laughs> Christ is risen from the dead. And has become the first fruits of those who are falling asleep. In other words, as he has risen, those who are falling asleep will rise. Let me just add again so that he can borrow, allow me to borrow Nigerian parlance so that he can chook somebody. If you are already in heaven when you slept, how are you rising? Where are you rising from? The rising from heaven. Because every Christian's dream is to fly. Every Christian's life ambition is that when the role is called, you will hear the trumpet. Someday we gotta get. So let me not spoil your flying dream. Yet. Because hear me. Hear me. I'm coming for that dream. Your rapture dream, I'm coming for it. But for now, you can fly. Having said that, so we allow you to retain your flying dream. Okay? And when the trumpet is sounded, you who are alive will fly. But there's a problem. Because First Thessalonians 5, Paul says that the dead in Christ hold on, will rise first. 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 Then we who are alive will be caught up with them. Not they will join us. We who are alive will join the dead. 
Because the dead in Christ shall rise first. We who are alive shall be caught up with them to meet him. In the air. I thought he's coming for you. How come you're meeting him in the air? He will stop in the air. It's alright. But let's consider the conundrum before us. The dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive will now be caught up to meet them, meet with, together with them, to meet him in the air. But these dead in Christ are in heaven. But they will rise first and we will meet them in the air. But they are in heaven. We are meeting them in the air. To go to heaven. They are in heaven. To rise first. From where? Oh, come on. And I explained to you Hades. Well, not in church. I, I mean, every now and then. And when Jesus went to Hades, it was said that he went down. Ephesians 4. What is it that he ascended, but that he first So everybody that comes back and tells you, you saw this and this and this in heaven and hell. What does, what does Jesus tell tell? Nicodemus in John 3. I think it's 12 or 13. Please look at this church. Did you see it? Yes, sir. No one. Tipity, yeah. no stay here. Tipity. Let's see how the message puts this. So now somebody starts to get offended. And all I can tell you is sorry. That's all I can say to you, really. Sorry, I'm, 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 you know that, that annoying apology. I'm sorry if what I said. <laughs> but now Christ is risen from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15 and 20, and has become the first fruits of those who are falling asleep. That's, that's the best news ever. For since by man came death, small m, by man also. <laughs> Somebody taught men how to die. Somebody taught men how to rise. <laughs> I love it. Same principle of Romans 5. By one man. First fruit. That's the first man right now. First fruit. The only man that is now successfully born again. The only one that has traded mortality for immortality. And therefore, my assured hope That you see me, whether I live or I die. By one man also came the resurrection of the dead. And it goes ahead to qualify it in verse 22. It says, For as in Adam, just in case you think we're making it up, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all. 23. But each one in his own order, see the order, in his own order, Christ first. 
first fruit. Afterwards, me, when he comes. That's the order. Even if I die today, I'm not going anywhere. Because there is order. The only person to go alone is Christ. The rest of us, the order is that the rest of us will all enter together. It's not a race. I'm going to make heaven. And I'm going to take as many people. You cannot take anybody with you. It's the scriptures. So I shouldn't say something because it offends your geo. Sorry. Only one person can. He has entered there. That's the order. At his coming, he will take us. He will take us. You can now start and start, sit down, start to argue and say, look at what Pav said. Are you dumb? Can you not see your Bible? You get offended. See, the man is proud. He's just talking. He's just making his own. Can you not see it in your Bible? I'm sorry. We should ignore what the scripture says because it pisses you off. Because you have results. There's order. And the order is Christ, the first fruit. Period. So you can't be offended when I tell you that everybody that says the word of is lying. So, no, so evangelist Chide Mary should be right. And Jesus, Jesus is the one that doesn't know what he's saying. Because we should collect somebody's feverish encounter above the integrity of God's word. Oh, he's a very, very, a very pious man of God. She's a very, very holy sister. She cannot make this thing up. Says who? Jesus can make his up. Jesus can make his up. Now you tell me I'm, I am, I'm proud. I'm leading people astray for opening their eyes to scripture. To scripture. Each in his own order. Christ the first fruit. He's the first fruit. There's no way you would twist it. Oh, how about Abraham and the boss? Can you not hear allegory? Allegory. Parable. Para, 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 parable. Abraham is called the father of faith. I've explained this to you recently. Because he believed the gospel that brought about Jesus through his seed. Doesn't mean that my end is in his bosom. No, you see, Abraham and I shall together enter glory. I can enter Abraham's side before me. He who, who lived in the shadow. Lived in the shadow. Abraham. Elijah. Oh, no, 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 no. Each in his own order. Christ the first fruit. Afterward, those together who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end. <laughs> when all of us enter together. Then he carries that kingdom. The end. He carries the kingdom. Hands to the Father. That's when he carries the kingdom. That is when the prayer. That's something I've not taught. That is when the prayer for thine. 
That's when it comes to pass. That's when you hear the angels screaming for the kingdoms of this world. When all of us together have entered. Those who are Christ's <laughs> at his coming. He delivers the kingdom to God the Father when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power. But you see, for now, he must reign till he has put all his enemies under his feet. And just before you think his enemies are in your village, since the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it's evident that he who put under him is exempted. You can't say all things are under my feet and I am inside the things that are under my feet. <laughs> it's accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the son himself will be subject to him who put all things under him, God. That God may be all in all. That's why I say when you are looking for three thrones. Uh, the son too now. His job done. Will melt into the father. Become subject to the father. That the father may be all in all. That's why I said to you in Water Biding House three or four or five years ago, about four years ago, some of you will remember this statement. I said, at the end of the ages, only one thing will be left. God. I said it a long time ago. I didn't explain. I didn't explain. Only, only God. 29, sit down, let's finish. Get out of here. Otherwise, what will they do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead do not rise at all. And this was not an endorsement of the baptism. This was Paul acknowledging that in Corinth. It was a Corinthian culture. To baptize the living on behalf of the dead. So I believe in resurrection so much. That I'm not sure about my dead auntie. So now baptize me. The crusades in Jerusalem were fought on this premise. If you had a loved one that died and you're not sure they went to heaven, you go and fight and kill the enemy of God to redeem their soul so they can enter. So the Corinthians had this nasty habit of the, the alive being baptized on behalf of the dead. Paul was not endorsing it. He was just saying, how can you rationally be doubting resurrection when you have a practice in your culture that encourages people to baptize the living on behalf of the dead? Are you not dumb? Because he's, he's saying, even intrinsically in your culture, they believe in resurrection. Does that make sense? In your culture, inside your Corinthian culture, they believe in resurrection. So now you as a believer can doubt it when your culture, your townspeople baptize for the dead. It was not championing it as an ordinance. You understand that? Why then are they baptized for the dead? My um, 
commentary here says, being baptized for the dead refers to the practice, apparently unique to the Corinthian church, of someone undergoing baptism on behalf of a believer who had died without undergoing baptism. Paul was not condoning this practice, and certainly, Scripture nowhere directs us to conduct such baptisms. Paul simply pointed out that it was inconsistent for the Corinthians to enact such practices if they disbelieved in the resurrection of the dead. 30. And why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? In other words, why are we suffering ourselves for you? (laughs) Preaching this gospel for a lie. 31. I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If in the manner of men I fought with beasts as Ephesus, what advantage is it to me? If the dead do not rise, then let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. It's, it's pointless. This is the, what leads to the statement that has become popular and nobody knows the context. Do not be deceived, next verse. Evil company corrupts good manners. King James, KJV. This was not referring to manners as in morality and behavior. It was if you listen to people that twist your hearing, you will be corrupted and you will enter nonsense. Evil company here referring to people that are distorting the gospel. Strife exists when you are listening to more than one person. Evil company. Now, should you be hanging with somebody who always makes you feel like having sex or drinking and smoking and stealing? No. No. Is that what scripture calls evil company? No. Evil company is worse. Evil company is anybody that messes with your doctrinal persuasion. What is good manners? What you have believed. That's good manners. Contextually. What you have received. That's good manners. That's good habits. Your faith walk is good manners. Your faith walk is good habits. Evil company. People who are whispering in your ear what is contrary to what we have laid down. Evil company corrupts good Manners. Now you know. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And someone will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one. What you sow is not made alive until it dies. Foolish and what you sow you do not sow that body that shall be but mere grain perhaps wheat or some other grain but God now gives what you sow a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body all flesh is not the same flesh but there's one kind of flesh of men human beings another flesh of animals another flesh of fish another flesh of birds then there are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. Celestial meaning in the heavenlies, terrestrial meaning on the earth. 
But the glory of the celestial is one. And the glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun. Another glory of the moon. Another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Stay with me. The body is sown or dies in corruption. It is raised in corruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. <laughs> there's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, watch this. The spiritual is not first. Spiritual body is not first. The natural is first. And afterward, the spiritual. Now you see why I said born again is not when spirit enters you. It's when you become spirit. 47. The first man was of the earth. Made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust. So also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as, look at this carefully, as we have borne the image of the man of the dust, so we also shall, 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 shall. Bear the image of the heavenly man. Now I say this, brethren, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all die. But we all shall be changed. In a moment. In the twinkle of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. So this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of the sin is the law. Now, the law is removed. Sin is removed. Death will be removed. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In the Lord. So, he, you see how you, you are feeling now? How you're standing, that's how the Corinthian church was shouting when they were reading this letter. To the shame and positive pressure of influence upon those among them who was teaching contrary. So, how the Corinthian church received energy from Paul's letters to know that, ah, 
the people that are talking to us are lying. They are lying. There is resurrection and I'm among. Oh yes, I am among. There is. I mean, think, think about it. Think about it. How can the church, listen to this, how can the church, eh? Jesus, are you ready for me to say this? Um, I, I came to church for edify. I left my leg at home. Is it, is it possible? No. Are you sure? Jesus has a body. But some went and left others. The whole body has to go. At the same time. See. My arm is still a little painful. It's not functioning. He still followed me to church. So if we are in Christ, baptized into his body, he is not coming for some members of his body. He is not coming for members. He's coming for his body. All of his body. Do you not see why Paul will tell them in First Thessalonians 5? Therefore, comfort one another <laughs> with these words. <laughs> comfort, comfort one another with these words. <laughs> if I no, see. It's very simple. If I am in the body, I'm going. There are, there are other things we should focus on. But, but as for going, there are things we need to pay attention to while we are here. Or going, no, no. <laughs> Hallelujah. And this is why, this is why it's important who you lend your ears to. This is why it's important who you lend your ears to. There will be no division if you are hearing right, hearing straight, hearing consistently. Because again, people of God, we are just showing the scriptures. No color, no spice, no seasoning, just the scriptures. I choose to hear well. The voice of a stranger. I choose to discern the Lord's body. 
because you see this heaven this kingdom that God is delivering to the father is all of us all of us all of us hallelujah now now listen to me now if Jesus is coming for all of us which he is and we are going as a body which we are then right now here on earth we will be that body because it's not like it's not like I can leave you and enter heaven we either all go together or nobody's going Now, if he's coming for a body, we are that body now. So if I broke the body, it becomes a problem. Demonic activity. Every evil thing. And you know what that does? Among other things, hear me carefully. Among other things, what it does is it delays your immortality. Because contrary to people's opinion that he is going to come and carry some and leave some. He's coming for his body or he's not coming. He's coming for a bride without spot wrinkle, blemish or any such thing so religion has taught you that he's just when he's ready he will just come and carry who he likes he's coming for his body so if we want that last enemy to be defeated we must unite So just like on the Tower of Babel, where he looked down and went, Hey! The people is one. He looked down upon us and go, My body is ready. Now I have a body. That is when the church, as we see, I've not taught in time eschatology yet. That is when the church can start to cry. Come Lord Jesus. Everything we can do as human beings, we have done. Any unity we can have in the body, we have had. Any power we can display as human beings in corruption, we have displayed it. We yearn for the next glory. We yearn. We yearn for the glory. The spirit and the bride say come. Then he comes. We would have maxed out everything we can do in the natural. Everything we can do in the terrestrial. And heaven and earth will know what is next now is the celestial. It's coming for your body. 
Somebody say, I descend the Lord's body. I Because the last time you hurt somebody, the last time you walk in strife, because eternity is riding on this. Literally, eternity is riding on this. You will change how you see me. You will change how you relate to me. You will change how you relate to your brother and sister. Because it is together that this e-corruption will come. I discern the Lord's body. I discern the Lord's body. It's not possible to have this level of understanding and remain the same. It's not. It's not possible to have this level of understanding and walk again in strife. It's not possible. Now you understand Paul's insistence on the church being one. You understand why every letter, I don't have time to show you anymore. Every letter, the biggest thing he's hammering on. Can you guys be one already? That's how you're going to spend the rest of eternity as one. Might as well start the rehearsal now. It's the stupidest thing ever to imply that in heaven everybody will have his own house. That's division. After God has labored to make us one, when we get there, he now scatters us to some silly mansions that religion fabricated. You think you will have time to sleep? When there will be no night there. Scripture is clear. You will not need the sun to give you light by day. Nor the moon by night. For the Lord himself is the light of the city. The Lord himself. And you are looking for a house to sleep. God told you that he's building some people's house. A preacher said recently. Some people's houses at Lintel level. Some people's mansions have completed. Other people's, they are still at foundation. In the same heaven where he's taking his body. This is why religion and the world turned us against each other. This is why. The world taught the church how to read or discern herself wrongly. Because as long as we are not discerning, the world is in charge. Even to where we are going, they scattered us. Have your own mansion. There will be no marriage in heaven. But I will have my mansion. Lady Joyce will have her own mansion. Everybody has their own singular mansion. Not even according to families. Different members, one body. He's coming for his body, the church. His body. That's why he's interested in removing the impurities. Not because the impurities are 
a hindrance. But because I cannot carry a body into incorruption that is dealing with corruption. Sin is not the factor here. It's not the factor. Sin is paid for. Now, can we get this bride ready? Can we get this body ready? Can we unite these guys on the earth so the world has no excuse to reject the message of Jesus? Remember that? So the world can see that you sent me. And and that's the point where men are without excuse. Then he can come. There are people now, see, it will be unfair. Mark my words. It will be unfair, unjust, and wicked for Jesus to come now. There are people that have good reason to refuse to believe him. Justify, they have not seen him. And if the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the earth and then the end shall come, then they haven't seen that gospel. So I said to you on Sunday, but, but take a step back. I'm not saying don't reach the lost. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, can you be the found? Can you be the found so that he can stand and say, now, my body is complete. The world cannot say they don't see me. The world cannot say that they don't see me who you sent. Because if they are one as you and I are one, the world will know you sent me. Because don't forget the desire of this God is for no one to perish. If anyone perishes, it's not the will of the Father. So don't think he's in a hurry to just come and grab the few that have believed. Why will he say, others I have, Malago, Sivra, who are not in this fold? I must of necessity bring them in. Why will he be painted as the shepherd who leaves the 99 and goes after the one? Shows you the father's heart. And who is in his way? The body. We can't even agree. We can't speak the same. We can't live without hurting each other. We can't walk in honor. Single honor. You take something from your sister. Return it where you picked it. Because it's the body. Every I said to you, everything you do, even in secret, affects the body. Do you understand that now? Everything you do, everything you say, the eternity of immortality is riding on it. Because we have to get to the point where we're ready for corruption to take on incorruption. And that's to live in this earth and be able to beat your chest and say, the earth has nothing on me. The selfishness of this world ain't got nothing on me. The wickedness of this world ain't got nothing on me. The corruption of this world ain't got nothing on me. I discern the Lord's body. That's church consciousness. 
You hold your brother ferociously, aggressively, because it's together we shall enter. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. See what I said to you? It's beyond forgiveness of sin. Yes, it's beyond righteousness and just and all the cute things. It's together that we enter. That's when he has the completeness of the kingdom to deliver to the Father. At that point, every rule, every authority, every power ceases. Because you know why? Can you guys handle this? It is only people that are not together that need rulers. Because rulers lay down the law so that whether you like it or not, we must do this thing since we cannot of our own accord be one. So the moment we are one, 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus ends all rule, all authority, all power, because the people no longer need it. People are one. They are, go and read history. There are countries that existed in the world that did not have prison, police, until the 20th century. Till the 20th century, they didn't have jails, they didn't have police because there was just no crime. People were one, no theft, nothing. That is the rule, that is the kingdom. When we are there, Jesus ends all rule. All of who is ruling who? Why do you need to be ruled? You don't need keeping in line when we have all fallen in line. You don't need anybody enforcing and keeping the peace. When we are all one, everybody has laid their weapons down. You did this to me. You did this to me. You're planning how to use it back to the other person. So that's why we need rule. That's why we need pastors. Oh, we do until. When you discern the Lord's body, you will never, even if you are paid, you will never hurt another person intentionally the rest of your life. You will never despise the Lord's body another day in your life. You will never be so caught up in yourself again, ever, another day in your life. Because it is only together that we have this body. Pull it together. Everybody's safe with everybody. Yes. Everybody's phone is safe with everybody. Yes, everybody's ATM is safe with everybody. Everybody's house is safe with everybody. Everybody's business is safe with everybody. Everybody's relationship, wife, husband, and fiance, is safe with everybody in the church. Say the spirit and the bride say, Come, it is the church that should be calling according to eschatology, according to the scriptures. It is the church that should be calling out for the coming of Jesus and not to deliver us, not getting afraid one, and not to deliver us from this evil age. No, the church is supposed to conquer this evil age in this evil age. He's coming for the church is not an escape route. No, 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 it's not an escape route. 
out of the troubles of this world. No! Scriptures doesn't teach that. Ah, with this world, if you don't come, this world will rubbish us. No, we are supposed to rubbish the world here. Now. Rise above it. Love above it. Give above it. Discern above it. Connect above it. Grow above it. Evolve above it. And then from there, from that vantage point, you say, Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. And then he will actually hear. You know, you know I, 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 I ignored last trumpet. Because I, 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 I would teach. Trumpets. Is it a physical trumpet? Or is it a season? Typified by a feast in the old covenant. I'm waiting to hear trumpet. You're thinking audio. It's the church that will sound that alarm. And say, Lord Jesus, come. That's why Jesus said that even he does not know the hour. the father it's the church that will cry and say maranatha it's not the father crying come lord jesus it's the body crying come lord jesus the people that are ready are here for you it's not escape because we could not manage the earth so difficult we could not subdue because we are not from it we are pilgrims is folding the folding up of the earth is the end of the ages. I discern the Lord's body. There are things that you have toyed with that you never toy with again. Ever. Things you trivialized and thought didn't matter. Utterances you make that you think don't matter. Attitudes you put up. That truncate the entire, reverberate across the fabric of the entire body. Don't forget, so my one sound hole functioning together. It's not coming for members. Take a hand, take a leg, take an eye, and then leave the torso and leave those other parts because they are not ready. They're not interested. You should not have bothered to institute a body. In which case, I am better off not going yes, things you never toy with again that jokes you never laugh at again yes, and when you hear your pastor speaking this authoritatively you will not assume it's your place to also speak assume it's your place to jump on facebook and make noise because you discern the lord's body you discern your leaders there's people that have the grace to address. Leave your brethren who call you unbelievers. But you know they are your brethren. Be the body. They call you apostate. They call you heretic. call you backsliding. You call them Adelphos. And then you show them what that means. Let him, by the vessels he chooses, call the body to order. Show it. And let's start a revolution. Yes, 
globally from the city. Let the church relearn how to be the church from this city. Must be the body. Hey, Josh, I descend the Lord's body. I descend the Lord's body. I descend the Lord's body. Will never be ignorant of this again. And I hope this has helped you to appreciate how much you don't yet know, sir. Yes, sir. So much to come into. So much. So much. It's heavy stuff we are saved into, Josh. Heavy stuff. Earth shaking stuff. Earth shaking stuff is what we have been entrusted with. And the excellency may be of God. And not of us. It's not a teaching you should ever plan to recover from. If you recover from this, you you are helpless. I have nothing more to teach you. If you walk away from this, and you can successfully find strife to walk in. You'll find malice and bitterness. You'll see it. You'll find selfishness. You'll try to be selfish. You'll try it. I realize you cannot succeed. You you receive the conviction of the weight of the revelation of the Spirit of God. You know that what I'm doing affects affects his brother. Affects his brother. Can you see somebody and drive past or walk past you? You that's when you get that conviction. And there will never be a time in your life where you put yourself first. Ever again. Ever again. And that's some of you understand why we live the kind of lives we do. Because apart from you, there's no meaning to living. Apart from you, apart from you, apart from you and you and you, there's no meaning. There's no meaning. It's pointless. Apart from each other, we are why we are here. So, so the early church understood that they had all things come on you go beyond giving because you have you give so recklessly until you now start having in order to give I deserve the Lord's body I promised I was going to end with something I didn't forget I said all of this is only possible if you can trust the church with yourself. Second Corinthians 8.5 Paul is writing of the Macedonian church. Starts in verse 1 for context. It says, We make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in a great time of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency, basically begging us that we would receive the gift and the fellowship, koinonia, of ministering to the saints. Church that was so poor, 
that they needed to be sent help were begging Paul, don't go, don't dare reach out to the church in Jerusalem without us. Don't dare raise help for the famine in Jerusalem and not include what we have to give in our abject poverty. We know we have brethren in Jerusalem. Picture it for a moment. A deeply poor church begging, not being begged, begging Paul, imploring with urgency, take what we have. Don't don't dare bless Jerusalem without without our involvement. That they would receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. See why they could do that in verse 5, which is what I want to show you. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us the apostles by the will of God. In other words, they gave themselves to us, to the Lord, and then they gave themselves to us because that is what God will have them do. Themselves to us by the will of God. They give, let me see, TPT message, NLT. They exceeded our expectations by first dedicating themselves fully to the Lord and then to us according to God's pleasure. Do you see that? They were, this was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea and caught us completely off guard. What explains this was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. Let me see the NLT. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. Beautiful. And to us just as God wanted them to do. They understood that as we give ourselves to God, it is God's will. That in giving ourselves to him, we give ourselves to our leaders. Conversely, it is not God's will. That we claim to give ourselves to him and not submit to those he set in the church over us. The Macedonian church understood that. They understood that if we give ourselves to God, it follows naturally. That it's God's will, it's God's pleasure for us to give ourselves to our leaders. You can only be used to the degree that you yield. I've said this before. I've said it in a, in a word for today, not long ago. You must trust the church with yourself. You must. Your resources will follow. Your time will follow. You must trust the church. You must discern your leaders. That's so why if you're not comfortable in the place, you have no business being there. I'm not advocating church hopping. Far from it. But you must be in a place where you acknowledge that God set that pastor over you. And then take roots downward. Dig deep. Avail yourself and grow. You must trust the church with yourself. You can't guard yourself from the church. And expect to benefit from and benefit the church. You can't. Trust the church. It's God's vehicle. For releasing his goodness. Amen. Amen. I discern the Lord's body. I discern the Lord's body.
<laughs> oh, hallelujah. We got to the end. But Father, amplify this word. Great shall be the company of those that publish it. Let this word mightily grow and prevail. Give him praise in here this evening. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at war the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.